Last time we began a study in Paul's letter to the Colossians, and uh, we're going to continue that this morning. We got through the first couple of verses in the introduction where Paul greeted the church, uh, mentioned Timothy, spoken writing, I should say, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters, by the way, uh, in uh, in Christ at Colossae and that. And today I want to pick it up in verse 3. It's good for us to go through the Word of God together in a verse-by-verse expositional way. Uh, going through the Word this way actually helps us not to get... Uh, not to take things out of context. It helps us not to just sort of have a limited scope of what the Word of God says. And in having that limited scope, it limits our sense of who God is, but it also limits our growth in Christ. And so uh, both here on our podcast, whenever we open the Word together and go through a book study, and as well as our Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, uh, we, uh, we go through the scriptures verse by verse. And it helps us to grow, to understand and connect the dots, as it were, scripturally, uh, in regard to our understanding of the nature, character, activity of God, and also uh, our own walk with Him. And so that being said, we're making our way through Paul's letter to the Colossians, which, as we mentioned in our introduction, uh, is one of those... Um, this letter is, is, uh, is, a, is, a, uh, is, is a place where Paul speaks very clearly about the lofty nature of Jesus, and we're going to find that out more and more as we make our, th- our way through the letter. And so that being said, um, I'll start at the first couple of verses, but we're going to focus on just the next few verses uh, today. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And in some manuscripts, again, it says, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we go into verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so um, uh, we always thank God the, our, uh, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Uh, thankful for them, right? We'll see why here in just a moment as he uh, says. But first, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're thankful to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the word Lord there speaks of, of, of our recognition, of Paul's acknowledgement, and, and by extension, uh, as we embrace that concept as well, we are speaking here about uh, acknowledging that rightful place that Jesus has in our lives. He is our Savior, absolutely. He has saved us from our sins. He's paid for them, taking that debt upon himself at the cross and once and for all wiping it out. And for uh, unfortunately for some, there is the sense that that is the whole deal with Jesus. He's our savior, great, I've got the fire insurance, I'm ready to just kind of go live my life now. I've settled the thing with Jesus. The Lord question, on the other hand, sometimes uh, is is neglected in that uh, equation, in that relationship. Um, And sometimes it's because we're afraid that if we start thinking of Jesus as Lord and that he would want us to walk in certain ways and such, that, uh, that, that somehow that begins to fall into legalism a little bit. And after all, we're saved by grace. So the idea of, of, of expectations sort of falls to the wayside. That's unfortunate because when we see Christ only in that partial way, he's our savior, but we don't really acknowledge him as having that place on the throne of our hearts and our lives, um, then we really sell short uh, the beauty of the relationship we're invited to walk in. Um, you know, uh, following Jesus as our Lord, doing the things that he says, which, by the way, was an indicator, he said, of how uh, we would demonstrate our love for him. If we love him, we'll do what he says. That makes sense, right? And so when we sort of neglect that part of it, we're, we're sort of 
selling short or shortchanging what this relationship really can be. Um, you know, is it always easy to follow Jesus? Is it always right to make the right choices, to follow convictions rather than convenience? No, of course not. But we still should, because it's not only the right thing to do, but it's a way to demonstrate that we love him. Uh, when, when um, you know, in, in, in much the same way as a marriage, you know, when I say I do to my wife, right, when I said that on our wedding day, I by definition was saying I don't to everybody else, anyone else, uh, you know, who might want to take that place. She is the number one relationship in my life, next to the Lord, obviously. And so... Um, that being said, if I put Christ in that place of, 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 of being uh, the prominent person in my life, the one to whom I am fully committed, and I recognize that he's obviously greater than I, it's not an equal relationship, he's the Lord and I'm, I'm his servant, uh, it becomes a natural thing for me to want to do things that please him, much the same way I want to do things that please my wife. And so, um, and then of course, on top of that, as I just mentioned, there is also the element of our relationship that has to do with the fact that he's the Lord and I'm the servant, right? This is something that I am fully not just committed to, uh, well, and, and so for as best I can, obviously, I, I wish I could say that I always lived up to that, but I'm committed to that. And it's not just that I'm committed to it, I want to be that. You know, I, I love the idea that I can walk with God and to know him. I can follow Jesus and understand his ways and understand what he's saying. And I can live in a way that I know blesses and pleases him. That, that brings me great pleasure. Matter of fact, there's a story. Um, uh, it's not a story. It's it, like a fictitious story. It's a uh, it's uh, it's a story rooted around Blaise Pascal, and it's actually called Pascal's Wager. And the wager uh, was basically this: um, Pascal was uh, sometimes accused as a believer, uh, as a as a follower of Christ. He was sometimes accused of sort of taking a simplistic view of why he followed Christ. And basically, the idea was, hey, you're just following Christ because you're afraid of going to hell. Better to be one than not be one, you know, uh, um, you know, hey, better safe than sorry kind of a thing. And atheists used to kind of uh, used to mess with him in that way. Um, and but Pascal's view was a little bit more nuanced than that. And it basically boiled down to this. An atheist believes you should live for yourself. You know, you live for today, you live for right now, you do, uh, not necessarily that every atheist is selfish or something, that a lot of atheists are very altruistic. But by and large, the idea is that you are the one that, you know, you're living for. And so therefore, the basic philosophy, we see this in scripture, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers basically were rooted around the idea of, 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 of living life to the full, suck the juices out of life and get all that you can out of it and everything. Well, that basic philosophy is what was uh, what was confronting Pascal, and and so the idea was, well, why why live for Jesus just to be safe? Because you should instead live in a way that makes you happy. Well, Pascal's response to that was, being a Christian makes me happy, and so therefore, by that definition, uh, by your own definition, I'm already living up to your. Uh, to your philosophy, I'm doing that which makes me happy. And if it turns out that I'm wrong and there is no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no any of these things, then what have I really lost? Following Jesus has made me happy. So I've lived up to your philosophy. And if it turns out I was wrong, I haven't lost anything. On the other hand, if it turns out that I'm right, 
and Christ uh, is has really paid for our sins. There really is a heaven to be gained. There really is a hell to be feared. Uh, that there is also on top of that, of course, the joy of walking with him. But even if it were just about the other thing, and it turns out I'm right and you're wrong, you've lost everything because you've lived for yourself in this life and it's cost you eternity. In my case, I've already lived up to your philosophy because following Jesus makes me happy. And on top of that, if it turns out I'm right, then I've not only done what made me happy in this life, but more importantly, I've also pleased the one with whom I have to do. And so uh, there is uh, there is great value in acknowledging the Lordship of Christ. This is not a legalistic thing. We're saved by grace. <clears throat> Our relationship positionally is settled when we put our trust in him. However, on a practical level, there is also this desire of the Lord to sanctify us, to continually set us apart through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, to become more like Jesus, which means we become less like the world. And there's uh, that's just an important element of the idea of his being the Lord of our lives. We shouldn't fear that term. We shouldn't be turned off by the idea of his being greater in our lives than even ourselves. We should embrace that. We should run into that because when we do, we begin to experience the fullness of what it means to walk with the Lord, the joy that comes with that, the confidence uh, that we have in knowing that, uh, you know, we don't, uh, when we, I guess when we, when we choose to follow him in that way, we're living in such a way where we don't have to deal with sort of the, uh, those, those times when we feel like we've broken fellowship and those kinds of things because we're intentionally walking with him. Those times become few and far between, but they're not the norm. Uh, we draw closer to him in our personal understanding and knowledge of him in our relationship. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to embrace him not only as Savior, but also as Lord. The disciples had no problem with this. Remember, Jesus said, you call me Lord, and rightly so, because I am. Well, they followed him willingly. None of them had to. They all followed him. They loved him. They wanted to be like him. He was their Lord, and that was a natural a natural place for him to be in their lives. And it should be so in ours as well as disciples today. And so we're always th- we always thank God the Father, our Lord Je- Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. They're always thankful for the Colossian believers, Paul and his team, when they pray for the Colossians. When the Colossians come to mind, it brings them joy. It brings them joy. Why? Since they heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have of all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. I love how that triad is there, right? Faith, hope, and love are all mentioned in that sentence, in that idea. And they're all intricately linked together in terms of the, the, the roots and, uh, and the fruit of the believer. Uh, he's thankful for them because of their faith in Christ. First and foremost, they're thankful that they're part of the body of Christ, that they're saved, that they're children of God now. And on top of that, they're also thankful that the fruit of that is that they have love for all the saints, Jesus said, what is you know, what will be the evidence to the world that you're my disciples, but that you have love one for another? Well, that fruit is evident in their lives. And Paul, having likely, it doesn't appear that he's met them, but he's heard about this from them. Epaphras has no doubt brought them word of the progress and growth of, uh, of these Colossian believers, and it blesses Paul's heart. Those who are with them, they're blessed to know not only that these folks are saved, but that they're bearing the fruit of love in their relationships with one another. And on top of that, that fruit is rooted in their hope that they have together. Again, this uh, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. This blessed hope of his appearing, this blessed hope that we'll see him face to face, the blessed hope that we're going to spend eternity in heaven, uh, the knowledge that this life is not all that there is, but there is a life yet to come that is really what we ultimately were created 
to enter into an experience and enjoy for all eternity. That is something that is built into the Christian life and therefore is uh, is, is kind of a wellspring uh, producing uh, wonderful fruit that, 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 uh, that is a demonstration of the fact that we are now connected to a different kingdom in a different world. We live differently as children of that kingdom. As we look forward to that time, it changes our perspective about this life. Uh, when we're living for the next world, we're not grabbing on so tightly to the things in this world. When we are living for the next world, that affects the way we think about the worldviews in this world. There is, uh, there is so much to be gained on a day-to-day practical basis by embracing the fact that we were not just created for this life, but ultimately we were created for eternal life. And so Paul rejoices, Paul, Timothy, and uh, those who are with him. Again, Paul's in prison, but Timothy and the others who have come to serve to minister to him and to, to help him out and serve him while he's incarcerated and to help him continue his ministry from that place, um, they are rejoicing that the Colossian believers get it. They are saved. They're loving one another as the fruit of their salvation. They have a, an anchor in the hope of what is yet to come. What a beautiful picture to paint for us today as well. Um, you know, it, it can, you know, whether it's accurate or not, we, we often think of our lives as and, uh, being much more filled with distractions and filled with draws and temptations and pulls and such into different directions that we sometimes forget these very simple truths uh, that, that we are actually not again created for this life. But that deep longing within us as believers to go see the Lord and be with him is a real thing that will one day be a hope fulfilled. It'll be a hope realized. And therefore, it changes the way that we live. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we interact together. And uh, and this is something for us to consider and to ponder. And that's where I'm going to leave this today. One final thought on this. When we see the word hope in Scripture, um, you know, we, we, we see it here. We see it in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, Faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest of these love? Well, because eventually our hope will be fulfilled. We won't have to hope anymore. One day, the object of our faith will be in his presence. We don't have to believe anymore. We'll see, right? Well, love is the one thing that never ends. It just goes on and on and on forever. But when we see this word hope, um, you know, we sometimes define the word hope in terms of our, uh, of this world's ideas. I hope this happens. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that uh, I get the job. I hope that uh, he or she likes me. I hope that I can, you know, uh, pay the rent this month, whatever it might be. We think of hope as something that may or may not happen. But when the scriptures use hope, uh, it is used in, in terms of sort of a, a sure thing. It is, it is a hope that is secure and it's just a matter of getting there. It's just a matter of it happening. But if it's going to happen, it's not in question, only when. Uh, my old pastor, uh, Phil Ballmeyer, Calvary and Elk Grove uh, in Illinois, uh, I always steal this from him all the time, but it's, uh, he would say it's not a hope-so kind of a hope. It's a no-so kind of a hope. And that's a beautiful way to put that. The idea that we are not um, hoping in the sense that we're not sure if it's going to happen, but our hope is sure. It's secure because it's rooted in Christ upon whom our faith rests. And so we can know with confidence that one day we'll see him face to face. He has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we might also be. And so that is something we look forward to. And therefore, since that's true, let that impact and affect the way that we live our lives, the way we see things, the way we think about things, the way we relate and interact. Uh, 
Let that produce love for one another. All of these beautiful things that ultimately spring out of our hope that is rooted in our faith in Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that as we continue to study it and as we uh, delve in and dive in and, and, and seek to pull all that we can out of the scriptures and, and understand what you're saying in them. Uh, Father, we just pray that uh, our hearts would continually be washed and, and purified, that our <clears throat> lives would further reflect um, what you're doing in us and, and that would further reflect the hope that we have within us. And we thank you for placing this hope within our hearts. We thank you for anchoring it on the sure foundation of Christ, that one day we'll definitely see you face to face because that is what Jesus came to do, to wash us clean and free us from the penalty of our sins that we might enter into that right relationship with you that culminates with our being in your presence. And Father, for those who've never come to Christ, those who have never put their trust in Jesus, uh, Father, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But thank you that you have made the way clear that through him we do come to the Father. We do come to know you and have right relationship with you. Our sins washed away, past, present, and future, as far as the east is from the west, cast into the deepest sea and remembered no more. Father, for those who've never entered into that beautiful gift, we pray for them right now and invite them to come and receive Jesus even now as we're praying. If that's you, I invite you to join me in prayer now as, we, uh, as, as I just give you the opportunity to receive Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge, I admit, I totally confess that I am a sinner. I'm not gonna blame other people for my sins. Other people are not responsible for my evil thoughts and my actions. Those things lie solely and squarely on my shoulders. And I am sorry for what I've done. But I thank you and I put my trust in Jesus that he came to pay for all of my sins, every one, past, present, and future, and to wash me clean and to offer me your forgiveness, to wipe clean my debt that I might be free. I embrace that, Lord. I believe that Jesus accomplished that for me, and I put my faith in him now. Father, I pray that you would help me to live a life that reflects his goodness and grace, where I become more and more like Jesus, and that like him, one day when I pass from this earth, I too will go to heaven and be with you. Thank you, Lord, that he died for my sins and rose from the dead and has now opened a way to eternity for me. And now with the rest of my days, help me to bless you and honor you as I walk with you as not only my Savior, but Jesus, you're also my Lord. Thank you. I praise you for your love and your grace, your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as always, I invite you, if you prayed that prayer, to reach out to me. I'm not going to ask you for anything. Actually, what I'd rather do is give you something. Uh, if you don't have a Bible already, I'd like to make sure we can get one to you. Uh, I'd also like to give you some advice on how to find a church that's close by that teaches through the Word of God, as hopefully in an expositional way like we try to do here. I, I, don't think, uh, I think that's extremely important, that churches teach through the Word of God so that people might come to know, their, their listeners, their hearers, their congregants, their churches might come to know the God of the Word and to know Him well. And so uh, if you are in the Franklin area or anywhere around Franklin, Tennessee, we invite you to come out and visit us and maybe make us your church home. We'd love for you to come alongside and to grow alongside of us. And, um, but in any case, where, whether you're here, you're there, wherever you are, 
It's important that you get plugged into a good, solid, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church so that you can grow in your faith and you can learn alongside of other believers what it means to walk with Jesus. So let me know that through the comments here on our YouTube channel uh, or on uh, our website. You can reach out by email uh, at calvarychapelfranklin.com or you can go to my own personal website at parsonspad.com where we also post these videos and you can also comment or you can email me through that as well. And I'd love to hear from you and interact with you. And, and certainly, I hope you'll continue to watch. Uh, my desire is that these videos would serve sort of a discipling kind of a purpose in helping us to learn to grow and walk in our faith together. So thanks for watching or listening if you're on the audio podcast, which you can also subscribe to. And, um, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again. And until then, may the Lord bless you as you walk with him. In Jesus' name, amen.